Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And Andrew Brooker. Hello. As we celebrate the podcast's fifth birthday. Five years. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It deserves something. That's more fanfare than we were giving it. So. What did you say it was on Twitter? Five years, two hundred and sixty episodes, three spin-off podcasts. Yep. And not a meaningful word said in all that time. Cumulative waste of about a week of my life. No, oh, it's, it's more than that. Good. I mean, if you add it up, 260 episodes, let's say the average is 90 minutes. That's a lot of podcasts. And, and I that used is... to edit them as well before you thought I was rubbish you did. and did it yourself. <laughs> we had to, I mean, do we need to give a little bit of, should we do just a tiny little bit of like a history lesson for people who are like tuning into this episode and have never listened before? Yeah. Because... Like, who, who started the podcast, Steve? Where did it come from? I was doing a football podcast. James mm-hmm. Diamond on a football forum asked, wanted to start a film podcast, but basically didn't know anything about a podcast other than that you listen to it. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing a football podcast, I had, do, had done for about two years at the point. I've been podcasting mm-hmm. for seven years. You have. Mental. Still anyway, in the podcast. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I said, I literally know nothing about films other than I like watching them, but mm-hmm. I, know how to make a, I know how to make a podcast. And he, so he was like, yeah. And then you joined in. Well, Jerry was first. You was Jerry was on first. The sec- you joined in on the second episode, and then we've slowly grew to what we are now. We've got Brooker, um, Callum, Paul, Brian, everyone who basically you hear now. Um, has joined us in the last five years. Yep, he came for... Do you know how fail critic? Well, you probably know, but I'm going to say, and just pretend that you do not know, and I'll just explain it to the listeners, that basically, fail critic started as The Failed Critic with James. And before it was even a podcast, it was his blog. And it was his idea was to watch every movie in the IMDb um, Top 250 and blog about them. Oof. And, you know, it went the same way that all blogs about the IMDb Top 250 go, in that he must have done about 14, 15, and then just gave up. <laughs> I think that's what happens usually. <laughs> and um, then this happened, and then we turned into just a podcast for a long time. Well, it's, it's a lot easier when you're talking about podcasting and blogging. It's a lot easier to talk about stuff than it is to write down stuff. I guess it is if you don't do notes. <laughs> I think no. I think I genuinely think even if yeah, I no, I know what you mean. A podcast no. on my own or a, a vlog, 
or something mm-hmm. like that. I'd a find a podcast it easier... on your own just called a monologue. Yeah, <laughs> I, I find it easier to talk about a subject for an hour than mm-hmm. I would to write stuff down. Yeah. On well, it. one one of those three, and that and that and that proved my point there, where I stumbled through a basic sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because if you write, then generally people write in standard English. You know, you write in a very specific form. It has grammar and a level of formality. And when you speak, you, do you? don't do that. Well, you you know you you follow structure, <laughs> right? You know you start with a capital letter. You know you end with a full stop or. A, you know, question mark or something anyway, like exclamation. Any, anyway, and then this, like is, this, this, is, this, is, this is why we've made five years discussion like this. Yeah, just boring chat about yeah. it. But like, it is easier. I think that um, one of the spin-off podcasts that uh, came out of Foul Critics was something I did called Front Row with a guy called Paul Rutland. Um, we recorded a radio show for Books 101 Radio. And basically, in that, I used to do a film review. Uh, and it was just essentially me on my own. And I'd have like a sort of four to seven minute slot of just reviewing one film solidly for seven minutes, like, you know. And I always found that harder because I would script it. I would write out basically how I was going to say the review word for word. Whereas this, you know, it generates discussion. And I think this is, I was going to say more interesting to listen to, but the way it's going at the minute possibly (laughs) isn't. Anyway, so yes, it's it's got to five years now. We've got this. Um, we have got Underground Nights with, with Paul and James Mullinger, professional, proper, actual, paid comedian James Mullinger. He's got TV shows and everything. Talent, I think, is what Paul called him. He's the he's talent. <laughs> so you what, know. I'm, what am I? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> James James equivalent. used to describe me as failed critics, Puck Carl Pilkington. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't think that's a compliment. But anyway, um, yes, anyway, so yes, it's, it's been fantastic. Doing this I wonder how many years. times we've said anyway in five mm. years. This is a this is a spin off podcast in itself, I suppose, <laughs> in many ways. It's not even a fucking podcast at the minute, it's no, just it's a, a ramble. Just a load of self congratulatory backs. It's a really badly organized TED talk on podcasts, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we're just anyway. going to get on with the podcast itself now, um, because we can do some more back slapping later. But uh, onto the quiz. It's one one. Owen is hosting me versus Brooker. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So yes. it's it's po- delicately poised as we look into who's going to watch some crap next. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or well, we'll see. I, I'm still scouring the internet for the worst possible film. Every time I think I found the worst, I I I kind of think it's not bad enough. I have to continue my search to get revenge for that last pile of wank. Um, but Fifth birthday, therefore the quiz is birthday themed, of course. So I've got a list of ten different people, each of whom were born on the 25th of April. I want you, Brooker and Steve, (laughs) to rank them in order of age, from eldest to youngest. So you might need a pen and paper to write the names down. Uh, I'll give you like a minute to think about it and then... You can reveal your answers, and then obviously, through the magic of editing, as you can do that on a podcast, I will cut out all the waiting around, so it'll be seamless. I, I am listening. writing down on the back of my team sheet from Saturday, where we won 5-2, ended our season with 14 consecutive wins, so not just a podcaster, but a tactical genius. 
Yeah. I'm writing on an old notepad with a shopping list on it. I'm not just a podcaster. I do the shopping. What's on What's on the shopping list? Pick us, uh, pick us up some some the premium items there. Some ketchup and some coffee so far. I don't think nice. you need to make a list for that, really. <laughs> I haven't finished just... it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right. Okay. I mean, what, what What can you make with ketchup and coffee? Not much. No. Um, <laughs> you can make like a chili sauce. You know, you put like. Have you ever heard of that? People put coffee in or chocolate into a chili. Yeah, tr- chocolate in chili is quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it works well. You're halfway there. Just need some chili and some mints, and you'll be fine. Right. Adding it to the shopping list as we speak. There you go. Yeah. New spin-off podcast. Failed. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you a point for each of the people uh, if you guess them in their correct position um, out of the ten. So that's eldest to youngest, right? And they are in alphabetical order: the voice of Mo from uh, and others on The Simpsons, Hank Azaria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The journalist and newsreader Fiona Bruce. The uh, I liked how he was described on Wikipedia: the Lord Protector of Great Britain, and um, probably better known as the Banisher of Christmas, an all-round barrel of laughs. Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's oldest. He died years ago. <laughs> oh, shh, don't reveal it, Steve. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, is this, so is this obviously if if they're dead? Yeah. Is it is it the age when they're dead? No, the year that they were born. The year well, they otherwise, were born. he's currently five hundred and something years old. <laughs> yeah, how's it going to work if it's the year they were born? Of course he's the oldest. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. You don't know who else is on the list. Well, no, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like It's like 400 and something. Yeah, but if I said, like... Jesus. Jesus, for example. He, was, he wasn't born in April. Don't be stupid. <laughs> <sighs> okay. World it's famous... part really quickly. Yeah, anyway. Anyway. I see uh, some flaws in this. <laughs> The world-famous Dutch footballer and Barcelona legend, Johan Cruyff. Uh, yeah, I can't spell either of those words, so... Cruyff, C-R-U-F-T-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-A-T-S-W-
I know, I just switch off when you guys do that. <laughs> the Brazilian... So Jason, hang on, Jason Lee, not football. Yes. Right. <laughs> the Brazilian Formula One race car driver, Felipe Massa. Yeah. Yep. The Oscar-winning actor, Al Pacino. And finally, Rene Zellweger, the, uh, also known as Bridget Jones. So those are your ten. Hank Azaria, Fiona Bruce, Oliver Cromwell, Johan Cruyff... Jeffrey DeMunn, James Johnston, Jason Lee, Felipe Massa, Al Pacino, and Rene Zellweger. It's only nine there. Is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Scared me then. <laughs> oh, join me for another five years of that. <laughs> Well, that's enough time then. We will uh, reveal what you have picked. And so the eldest on that 10 was Shock. Steve, who was it? Um, Rene. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Cromwell. It was Oliver Cromwell. At what, 460? Uh, he was actually born in 1599. So, so right at the end of the 16th century. He'll be... Five hundred, five no, four hundred and eighteen. Yeah, there we go. So Brooker, who is who have you got next on the list? Al Pacino. And Steve, who have you got? I went for Al Pacino. Is correct. Yes, he was born in uh, nineteen forty. Would you believe? Okay. I would believe it. I've seen him act. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, and so, uh, Brooker, who have you got on the list next? Uh, the football dude, whose name I don't know. Johan Cruyff? Yeah. Steve? I've also got football dude whose name he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's correct, Johan Cruyff. Or you could have had the next person, because they were both born... On the same day, in the same year. Who was that, Steve? I have gone here for um, your man from The Walking Dead. Jeffrey DeMunn. That's him. Uh, Brooker. Renee Zellweger. <sighs> oh, Steve's 1-0 one one up at the moment. Oh, yeah, I, I, a... I have no How clue. How old do you think Renee Zellweger is? I've got no fucking idea. I didn't think she was the same age as a footballer. But mm. <laughs> they were both born in 1947. So. Bloody hell. Mm. Yeah, that would be some going. I mean, she would look fucking great if she was born in 1947. Well, but anyway. Well, I, I've not seen the latest one. She looked like an old slipper in the advert. Oh, dear. Um, like a melted welly. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Moving on. Anyway, <laughs> next on the list is Steve. I've gone for Hank Azaria and Brooker. Well, I went for the dude from The Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. So that's another point to Steve because it is Hank Azaria. Or I reckon I got this. I got this bang on. Or you could have had as well because. They were also born in the same year as Hank Azaria. 
You could have had Brooker. Fiona Bruce. And Steve? For sixth place, I also went for Fiona Bruce. He's correct as well, yes. Blimey. Okay. Uh, yeah, Hank Azaria, Fiona Bruce, both born in 1964. Um, okay. Next on the list, Brooker. Oh, uh, okay, let's go for Felipe Massa. Okay, and Steve? I went in, in seventh place, uh, Rene Zellweger. It's a commanding lead for Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Brooker needs to get all of these three right and for Steve to get them wrong, which well, was. That's not going to happen now, is it? Be tough, yeah. Okay, so next on the list then, uh, Brooker, who is it? Uh, let's say Jason Lee. Okay, and Steve? I've also gone for Jason Lee. Yes, it is. It's correct. <laughs> 1970, Jason Lee was born, which means, Brooker, you cannot win, I'm afraid. Oh, dear. Well, I am afraid because it means I'm going to lose. I'll say it's almost like I don't have to watch whatever shit film Steve <laughs> comes up with. Mm. Okay, but just for a laugh then, who are your final two? Which order have you, you put them in? Uh, uh, hold Steve. on. I have uh, gone for nine Felipe Massa, ten matey from Biffy Clyro. Yeah, and Brooker, what did you go for? Pretty much that, although I'd already said Felipe Massa, so I swapped him and Jason Lee around for the last three, so... Yeah, Felipe Massa, then the guy from Biffy Clyro. Uh, okay. Um, actually, uh, it was in ninth place, James Johnston, who was born in 1980, the guy from Biffy Clyro. And tenth was Felipe Massa, 1981. Oh, I fell at the last third. Or yeah, just those tenth. last two. Mm. Mm. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, well, 2-1 to Steve then. Yeah. Sorry. Next week... Next week, I'm going to put you in the right mood for the Guardians of the Galaxy podcast. Oh, yes. Right from the start, you're going to be in the right mood. <laughs> <sighs> you best make it easy, because I'm back on for that one as well. Um, so, on to, on to news then. Um, and as we just mentioned, Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn has announced he'll be back to direct the third one, even before this one is released. Although it is released this week, um, and is getting... What I've heard, very good reviews already. Mm. Yeah, the reviews not, have not, been like not, glowing. Not, not as good as the first first one, but more of the same from what mm. I've heard. Mm-hmm. I'm only skimming them. I'm only skimming them. I'm not reading them yet. No, the, tra- the trailers haven't given anything away yet either, have they? Not much. No, which is good. You he kind of no, know what the team's dynamics going to be, but you don't know pretty much how the plot's going to work. So no, it's, you know, yeah. there's a couple more Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and some people from the first one I know on the good guys' side, yeah. you could say, I suppose. Mm. But um, I don't know how to react to that news. I mean, part of me thinks, well, of course Marvel are going to keep him because it's kind of his thing now, right? If he's up for it, they'll probably say do more because yeah, the first one was such a runaway success. He He obviously likes doing it. He seems quite invested in it when you see him tweeting and talking about it he seems to be a fan of the source material and a fan of what he's you know yep. he seems to be very on board with with the whole marvel mcu thing mm-hmm. um, because obviously we're all fairly certain at some point guardians of the galaxy is going to tie in with what happened what is happening 
with the other Marvel films, possibly even in, in Thor Ragnarok, which is also out this year. Mm, could be. Yeah. It seems it seems like the most easy, obvious one to tie them in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because it's in space. Or yeah. a, what we assume is space. Cause not on Earth. It's not on Earth, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I was, mm. yeah. I, I rewatched um, Guardians of the Galaxy the other day, or last week, or whenever it was, yeah. when it was on BBC. Mm. And they cut it to ribbons. <laughs> Did any of you guys watch it? I no. I don't watch films on network TV for that exact reason. It's I mean, so normally bad. it's fine. It's just this one, because they, they put it on before the watershed. It started before the watershed. I think they've started it at a half eight or something. Yeah. Um, or maybe earlier. And so it ran through into past the watershed, but they were still cutting everything. And the things they were cutting didn't really make like logical sense. Like they would cut one use of the word ass, but not another. And I kind of thought, what? why? How are you doing this? And it would completely disorient you because you'd expect something to happen and it wouldn't. And it would just be so jarringly missing that it kind of la- it lost a bit of its charm in doing that because part of its use of you know language and phrases and stuff was what made it so funny and yeah. so for those to be uh butchered in the way that they were was a bit of a shame but um so yeah if it's still on iPlayer I would advise just don't bother <laughs> is my is it on Netflix still or have they taken it off yet does anyone know I do I not know, know. Yeah, it was on Netflix for a while. Normally, they have this habit, don't they, of just taking them off Netflix when there's a new uh, sequel or something out. I guess, to be, not from Netflix's point of view, but from the film producer's point of view, you think they can just make a quick book by getting people to pay more to rent or buy it through various means. But yeah. So it might not be on there anymore. But um, I'm, I'm looking and no, it's not. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, well... It's just their model, isn't it? But um, yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy three before two. I mean, is that does that sort of ring alarm bells for you guys? Or well, no, I'd say opposite? it means Marvel. You know, especially bringing James Gunn back as well. Marvel probably got a bit of faith in the film being good or great, and think that he'll do good on a third one. But fuck me, before the third, before the second one comes out, putting that announcement out. Someone needs to crash that hype train pretty quick. Mm. It's too much. Yep. Let me watch the number two first. Let me watch number two and get excited for the sequel that you tease in the the uh, stinger mm-hmm. before you actually tell me that Guardians 3 is coming out. Well, you say tease in the stinger, but didn't he say that there's like eight stingers for Guardians? Yeah, like, what, there's five, <laughs> five post-credit scenes. I mean, that's... He's got to be taking the piss, hasn't he? One of my favourite replies to his tweet about that was, I look forward to watching them all on YouTube the next day. I thought yeah. that was quite good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, the, um, the, chan- the chances are with the way my, my week is panning out, I'll probably end up going to see a midnight release of it. So oh. who knows Who knows? I'll be willing to stay up in five scenes. Yeah. Are you going to the double um, nah. back-to-back screenings? No. Nah, if anything, I'll watch the first one at home. <laughs> Just turn up for the second one. I'm not sitting in the cinema for like six hours. I watched all eight Star Wars films back to back the other day, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, but Guardians of the Galaxy is good, at least. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Don't. 
I'm missing. They're doing uh, Cineworld are doing an Alien and Prometheus double bill this week, which I that that'll feel like watching eight films back to back once you've watched Prometheus. Ah, uh, Prometheus is good. I, I like Prometheus. I don't get nothing wrong with that. But I'm missing it now. I booked tickets ages ago, but no, it looks like I'm not going to be able to go. And I'm gutted. I'm gutted because seeing Alien on a big screen was one of those that I just thought would be fantastic, just an experience. Because I obviously wasn't around in 1979. So give it a couple of years, and it will be the 40th anniversary of the first one. I guarantee somewhere, someone somewhere does all four on the big screen back to back. Ah, uh, yeah, but this is this week. <laughs> yeah, but, I just um, there's the the Alien and Prometheus one and the Guardians uh, back to back. I I would, but I've already watched them this year, and I'm not sitting in the cinema for four hours for films I can't add to my list. Mm. Yes, because you've got your list to be conscious of, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's the only reason I'm not doing it. Otherwise, because I mean I've seen Alien on the big screen already, and mm. I saw Prometheus when it came out, but I wouldn't mind seeing them both on the big screen again. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not wasting four to six hours on films that end up repeat numbers on my my count for the year. Mm. How is that going? This is your. You're watching 365 films in 365 days. Is that right? Yeah. I and in new like individual new films, and so repeat viewings don't count. Repeat viewings don't count. So I've watched Deadpool a couple of times this year. It only counts once. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, the last film I watched was film number 210. And we're not 210 days into the year, so we're that sounds like close. it's going I'm well. I'm doing mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So you, if you like get to 365 before the end of the year, are you just going to sack off films for the rest of the year? I'm hoping to do it before Justice League, so I don't have to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I won't do I just What I won't do, I'll get, I'll get to the end of the, the 365 and I'll just maybe take it easy not try and cram three films into every evening hmm that's see how like... high I can get the number try and yeah. do eight in a day there you <laughs> no thanks hmm that's that's beating my record I think the most I did was five five or six eight uh... back to back it, Star Wars films as well all all the same thing watching the same story for a whole day <laughs> like that yeah I think five Good story man Five or six would be my record, and that would have been from fright, any day from Fright Fest last year. Would have been mm. five or six in a day. Yeah. Eight, I, I haven't got the staying power for that. And I've got a relatively comfy couch. You know, <laughs> I just <laughs> I still wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. I think um, I, I used to watch them on like weekend, because uh, Elisa used to have her uh, Sunday job. And so she'd go out on a Sunday, and I would just sit at home and basically throughout the week record. Just like the shittest sounding horror films I could find on the horror channel. And I would waste an entire Sunday watching them. <laughs> and that's, yeah. I think the most I got through in one day was five. And I was quite proud of that. But, yeah. um, next next news item uh, is that Shane Black's The Predator has been delayed by six months. That uh, was due for really in August of next year. It was supposed to be out in February, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's been pushed back six months, I think they said. Mm. Uh, so what else is due out in February next year? The Last Jedi will still be dominating cinema screens. It's out in December, but it'll still be dominating screens. Black Panther comes out in February next year. Mm. Yeah. They, oh, right, okay. They probably... Ah, uh, yeah. The, it's, Black Panther's due out the week after 
Predator was due out. Yeah, that's definitely that. It wouldn't have got a look in. But moving it to August, I mean, no one's August is typically like a dead month, isn't it? Because it's after the main rush of summer blockbusters. Because everyone's yeah. on holiday, no one's around. Yeah. So that I, I tell is you a what, shame. It is a shame. It might be genius though. It, there's this. Okay, obviously we don't see it with films very often, but with video games, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's a very different industry. But with video games, for the last God knows how long, there's we you have what's called the summer drought. People just don't release video games in the summer. Because people want to go out, people don't want to stay in and play games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not something you do. So, a couple of years back, when the Deus Ex remake came out, came out in August, it was the only game to come out, and it sold massive numbers. Right, like it blew the doors off anything they were expecting to get out of it. You do the same with films, for an, with a name like Predator as well. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I'm just looking at the... there's absolutely nothing else on, and oh, it's a new Predator film. I'll go see that three or four times. I'm, I am looking at the um, at movieinsider.com at the moment and the films they've got down for February 2018. They've got in the first week just one film, which is Cadaver, which is a horror film, which I haven't heard of before. No. The week after is Maze Runner, Peter Rabbit, but Fifty Shades Freed. So that's obviously going to smash it again. Yeah. Um, no, then you've got Fifty Shades will take all of your adult audience away. Precisely, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after that is Black Panther. Yeah. And then after that is Pacific Rim Uprising, which I imagine is going to get delayed or moved anyway. So yeah, that's. I mean, it, that's a, that is a tough month to come out in. Um, Whereas August, there is fuck all coming out in August. Yep. Well, so far anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, something called Meg. What? Here it says, centers on a Carcharodon <laughs> Megalodon, the 70 foot 40. I think I have heard of this. It's Statham's movie. Now, this Statham's is the Statham shark thing, movie. isn't it? Oh, fuck that then. <laughs> this is okay. Statham versus the shark. Yeah, I'm watching yeah. that. That looks awesome. Okay. Well, then now, now August is shaping up to look like it's going to be quite good next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've got The Predator written, directed by Shane Black, and Statham punches a Megalodon. That's not bad at all. Mm. Right, one last item of news then, um, which is after Callum and James suggested it last week, there is now going to be a, a Jason Statham and Dwayne The Rock Johnson spin-off from the Fast and Furious movies. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see Fast and Furious 8 last week um, because I was ill and I haven't seen it since, but being well because it's Fast and Furious and so fuck off. But basically... Sounds like from what Callum and um, James was, was saying on the podcast uh, between them that this is the best outcome that could happen for the series. Is that does that sound oh, right? Does oh, that sound yeah. fair to I'll, both of you? I'll watch the shit out of that spin-off. It, just the idea of it is amazing. Them two, their chemistry on screen was awesome. And I will gladly watch a spin-off of those two. Yeah. Steve, does that sound right? Yeah, why not? It's more money for studios and more mindless, stupid action films for us all to enjoy, so why not do it? I'm alright with stupid, mindless action films. I don't know, they've never been they've never done much for me, the Fast and Furious movies. The recent more action ones I think I've enjoyed much more than the originals, but apart from the really fucking terrible number three, I've enjoyed all of them, mm-hmm. I think. And I've really liked the more recent ones. Which one was number three, Tokyo Drift? Yeah. 
Which is actually like the fifth one in the timeline. Yeah. yeah. But wherever you put it in the timeline, it's still a massive bag of shit. Realistically, now, they've got two options in terms of where to take the plot. Because it's going more and more mental each time, isn't it? Yeah. So, for me, they've either got to go to space or do time <laughs> travel. Or both at the same time. Or both, yeah. That's the only place they can go with them. Get a DeLorean and race that down the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Fast and Furious, Back to the Future crossover. Just a flux capacitor in every Evo. If you were going to cross it over with another series of films, what would you what would you mix it with? Um, You're going to put Fast and Furious with something else. Uh, um, pitch Black. <laughs> Riddick is actually Dom's long lost cousin. There you go. And that would bring you into space as well. There you go. I would cross it over with Thomas the Tank Engine. Make them race, <laughs> make, make them race trains. Yep, sounds good. And they got to take down the, the fat controller because he is an evil dictator. Just doing his job, Steve. He's just an he, ordinary working man. Look at him. He's Kim Jong-un in a top hat. Yeah, he bricked up a train in a tunnel because he didn't want to go out in the rain, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's <was> mental. <laughs> it's just mental. <laughs> What what the fuck? <laughs> just like literally bricked him up in a tunnel when you're not coming out. Is, is you, this a story you, that you re- know or remember? Is this this, a, yeah, he this was there, legit, man. He this, was there. This, this is legit for a Thomas the Tank Engine children's storyline. One of them, uh, I can't remember which one, wouldn't go. He went into a tunnel. It was raining. He said, no, I'm not coming out. It's going to ruin my paint. So he went, right, if you're not coming out, I'm bricking you up in the tunnel, <laughs> leaving you there. Wow. Okay, he does sound a bit more evil, though. <laughs> insane. Plus, he talks to trains like they're real. Hmm. I was going to say, he does have sentient trains working for him. Presumably yeah, not paid, yeah. There's something not right there. Yeah. Why, do they, why do they need drivers if they can drive themselves? Why do they need a controller? Anyway, yeah, mm. to, to make them race trains. time for what we've been watching where we take a look at what we've seen in the last uh, seven days or so no new releases section this week's so we're doing a, a birthday triple bill um but brooker what have you seen this i week? i went to see the belco experiment which is the the latest uh low very low budget blumhouse or blumhouse blumhouse anyways so, yeah, it's the latest Blumhouse horror movie, uh, very low-budget horror movie, made by Greg McLean, the guy that made Wolf Creek. Which, interestingly, before I talk about the film, interestingly, I mentioned it to a friend of mine. who said, I said to him, you've got to watch this film. You know, I really love it. Uh, and when I told him who made it, and he looked him up, he went, oh, he made Wolf Creek. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Apparently, yeah. Wolf, Wolf Creek has scarred a lot of people. Like, yeah, quite a lot. Of, quite a lot of my mates will not watch Wolf Creek a second time. I've watched it several times. I, it's grim and gruesome, but I see much more scarring stuff than that. I don't get why people would avoid it. I think it's one of these things. Like I remember having a conversation. I can't remember who it was with, and I'm really sorry if it was someone on Twitter, but it was a long, long time ago. I had a conversation with somebody about horror films, and some people just have a certain subgenre that they cannot watch, you know, 
whether it's a haunted house film, whether it's zombie films, whether it's, you know, I don't know, vampire movies, whatever it is, there's just there's just a certain subgenre that just some people cannot deal with. Doesn't matter Psycho how... Psycho films. Psycho thriller films would be for yeah. you, obviously, based on your... I think for some, for some people, whoever it was I was speaking to, said it's um, anything that's real. So, like, yeah. if it's a horror film where it's a, a serial killer, like, it could just be... Anyone off the street, it, you know, the, the supernatural element kind of fantasizes the whole thing, yeah, doesn't you, it? You so can, you, uh, you can suspend your disbelief. Exactly. Whereas and, if um, it's if it's just a crazy Australian nutter in the outback, then yeah. it's a, it just gets a bit too much for some people. So I can I can fully understand how <laughs> it's possible to be scarred. By See, I kind of I adore three. films like that, but because they're pretty much apart from the pretty crap Lords of Salem. All of Rob Zombie's films fall into that kind of category as well. But and even I, like his... I mean, I watched 31 uh, whenever that was, and that that has a cartoonish element to it. In Not in... Yeah. To, it's not like Tom and Jerry, but it's uh, it's cartoonish in the sense that it's, it's based in a reality, but it's just so ridiculous and over the top. But yeah. it's, you know what I mean. I think oh, that, yeah, yeah. that that removes it. Whereas Wolf Creek and I think you talked about Martyrs before, even though that's yep. got some sort of supernatural-ish element to yeah. it. There's, there's that type of horror film. And I totally get how that's different for some people. And I can completely sympathise with seeing a director who's made something that's traumatised you like that and thinking, <laughs> nope, it just, not going to touch the, this with I mean, a I am, I, Of course I understand that so you can't, a lot of people can't watch certain things, but specifically Wolf Creek seems to come up a lot mm. with people I talk to. Like specifically people will avoid a second watch of Wolf Creek or even watching the sequel. It's yeah. Just interesting for, interesting for me, not for anybody else listening. Side note, anyways... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, so, well, Greg McLean was the only other thing I wanted to say about Greg. He was part of the Splat Pack, wasn't he? He was. There was a bunch of producers that sort of Eli Roth, I guess, gets labelled as one of them. A Rob Zombie, who we've mentioned, they kind of get bracketed in, bracketed into that, uh, taking something and making it so horrific. I guess Saw was the first example that I can think of. You know. Yeah. Uh, where it just twisted people. Greg, so Greg McLean is within that particular genre, right? Yeah, I haven't seen his last film actually. The one before this one, The Darkness, was the one with Kevin Bacon. I oh, got, no, it on my, no. got it on my Skybox, waiting to watch. I just I've read so many shit things that I'm not sure I can be bothered. Mm. I did watch Rogue. Rogue is a good film. I'd recommend Rogue, that. The alligator one. Yeah, yeah. I've I've never seen it. <gasps> it's a really good creature feature. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's very small scale, but wor- really <laughs> worth a watch because it's just set like small scale, excluding the ginormous fucking crocodile thing. But like, it's just set on a little island in the outback and they're yeah. being terrorised by a massive predator. And yeah. it's really good. I just, I would really recommend Rogue to people. Above Wolf Creek, probably. I'd probably put really? it above Wolf Creek, yeah. Okay. But I anyways. might give it a butcher's. <laughs> it's just spent five minutes not talking about the Belco experiment. Yes, the Belco Sorry. experiment. <laughs> so the Belco experiment is it, made by Greg McLean, uh, written by James Gunn, so the guy that made Guardians. Uh, 
and it's basically 80 Americans work in a really bland-looking office building in the middle of Colombia, and they are suddenly thrown into this game one day where the literally this office block becomes a fortress. No one can get in, no one can get out, and over the intercom, they are basically ordered to start killing each other. Starting very low as well, like it, I say starting low, starting low-key-ish. They're, they're told in the next 20 minutes, I think, you need to kill three of your co-workers. So not three each, but in 20 minutes, three of you need to be dead. And if you don't, we will kill six of you. So it's kind of like this, this initial section is all tension building, deciding whether or not it's okay to start sacrificing people. And I won't spoil kind of how it plays out, but as, this, as the film goes on, the, the stakes are upped quite a bit. So, you know, the next part of the game is, you know, 30 of you need to be dead in the next two hours. So your choices become... You, yeah, you, you don't really have a choice now as to, to what you can do. Half of you, more or less, need to die pretty quickly. <laughs> and it's, it's this really kind of weird, tense, claustrophobic, psycho horror film. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's one of these social experiment films like The Purge, where it, it, obviously it can't be real, it's not going to happen, but you would sit there and go, well, what would I do? And as this film goes on, you're, you kind of start to realise that you don't have a choice in this. Your decision was made just by walking through the door. You're going to have to be involved one way or another. And that's actually the kind of scary that I that gets to me a little bit more than say psychos in the Australian outback kind of not having a choice about it and it was it was really good like I was expecting it to be a bit of fun and I was expecting it to be a bit bloody and a bit nasty because of who made it but what I was blown away absolutely blown away with how it was made how it was paced and how it just it got to the end and I was like I, I literally, I walked out and went, I wonder if I can swipe my unlimited card and come back and watch this again, like, now. Because it was really, really good. It's a real shame, though. The biggest shame, I think, with this film is it's not got a proper wide release. Again, this is this becoming a, a bit of a problem. I think all these really cool films that no one else gets to see without travelling quite some distance. Yeah, it's not on near me, obviously, because it did cut. <laughs> but you know it's it's a shame and I the would have people seen of Oxford wouldn't know what to do with themselves when they saw this film <laughs> it would offend their very sensibilities Mr. Booker <laughs> um, no I mean it's um, probably odd somewhere in Oxford in one of the little art cinemas maybe but in terms of big change I'm thinking like Cineworld is the, the, the local cinema to me um, there's one in Digcote one in Whitney and neither of them are showing it so wow. it's kind of a shame. I get why. It's probably not going to be a sellout anywhere. Uh, I'm guessing your, your oh, screening no, wasn't it's... exactly packed. But, uh... Uh, no, you know what, actually? You said I went, because I was off work on Friday, so I went to the 
like ten past midday show. Okay. And it, the screen was half full. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong then. On a on a Friday afternoon, that ain't bad. Uh, it has which which is interesting because it hasn't got a lot of play, uh, advert wise. Like I've only I think I've only seen the trailer for it at Sydney World once, yeah. and you know, I go to the cinema quite a bit. Uh, I do think it's one of those films that's going to find its home on Blu-ray and VOD after people like me tell everybody <laughs> to go and watch it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it's one of those films that, no, it won't do big at the cinema, but I think it will do decent numbers when it comes on to your home entertainment format of choice. But I'd, I would say... If you get a chance, definitely. You know, if it's on somewhere even reasonably close travelling distance, I would definitely go and have a butcher's and try and watch it because it is so, so good and so much fun. Okay. Uh, I, this week, have seen Split, the James McAvoy film from uh, late last year. I think it was late last year. Uh, So he plays a guy with uh, split personalities who kidnaps three young girls for, for purposes um, unknown at the point. And, yeah, so he's got about 20-odd uh, different personalities, but you meet four of them mainly in the film. I, I can't make my mind up on it. I think James McAvoy's really good in it, having to play four different characters in, in you know, uh, who are all unhinged uh, to an extent and all, you know. But the film itself, I don't... I can't decide whether the plot works and the whole, I suppose, supernatural element. Can I say that? Is that a spoiler? I suppose people are going to see Split. They've seen it by now. No. No. I, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally, I'm just waiting for the uh, for the American iTunes thing to tell me I can rent it and I'll right. rent it to watch. I don't yeah. think that's too much of a spoiler, though, from, okay. from what's been seen. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I just don't know if it, if it works properly but i think james mcavoy's brilliant in it but i just, yeah i just couldn't make my mind up on if i liked it or not and if the whole thing was just too weird or if it, yeah pretty much sounds like my reaction to every Shyamalan movie ever yeah it's a, no he's made some awful stuff but he's made some good stuff like sixth sense was good um and what else he's done the one with the wind and <laughs> the <Mark>. happening, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The happening. There wasn't much happening there. It was that was just mm. guff. People always cite um, Unbreakable as like his best. I really, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen Unbreakable. I did. I wasn't. Well, I'd be surprised to nobody. I guess I wasn't so keen on it. But I did. I did quite like Signs. Signs was good. Village. I liked I had Science, enough going yeah. for it. You know. He also made. The Last Airbender, which is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Mm. That is complete wank. How he was given the okay to make that film, I will never, ever know. And then made After Earth after that, and still somehow had enough like backing to make a fucking another movie. One of the, one the best things he done mm. was produced Devil. <laughs> I really liked Devil. And it's I the think one it's in the lift, had, isn't it? It is, yeah. It had yeah. his fingerprints all over it, but it wasn't one of his films. Yeah, like he he didn't make it, but he he clearly was there whispering in the director's ear. But I actually think it came out really good, and I've, you know if everyone likes Sixth Sense and 
everyone likes signs. I will never understand the love for Unbreakable. I thought it was guff. Uh, yeah, but go and see Split for James McAvoy um, more than anything else, at least, I suppose. Um, Owen, what have you seen this week? I have watched a film. We had, you know, full disclosure, I had a screen for it, um, but it doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything because I'm not reviewing it particularly positively. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was... Which which is really disappointing because I did pick this one out of a list that we we get these screeners through and I check them and sometimes I think oh that looks quite interesting I'll review that sometimes I think oh Brooker would probably quite like this one I send it over to Brooker or I send them round to the team this one I picked up because I thought you know what I think this looks like it could be a really under the radar good quality um, horror film it has an interesting premise so it's called Dead Awake if I say to you guys sleep paralysis. Do you know do you know what I mean by sleep paralysis? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. So I can be quite quick about this and brief. It's a phenomenon where people are kind of half asleep, half awake, experience a feeling of like paralysis. Uh and it you know, it feels like you're awake and aware of your surroundings, but you can't move. And so one of the things that the film explores is in this sleep paralysis state, sometimes the things that happen to people um everyone who kind of experiences sleep paralysis experiences it slightly different but most people feel like a pressure on their chest like some something's either sitting on their chest or suffocating them somehow sometimes people who experience sleep paralysis they kind of hallucinate things or because they're in this like still half asleep dream like state they start to see stuff in the room with them and one of, the th- one of the things I know about sleep paralysis that's not really explained in this film, but it's how alien abductions have been explained in the past, right? Um, probably your mate Jeff on Facebook would say they were <laughs> actual alien abductions. <laughs> but, like, they are... It uses it to say people can see things in, their, in the room. Like, the, they see these people walking about and they feel like they're strapped down to the bed, right? So, therefore, it's probably aliens, isn't it? I mean, it's not sleep oh, it paralysis. Be. It's probably it aliens. Mount yeah, they're actually on a UFO and someone's just prodding them up the arse with a metal rod. Um, <laughs> but the other thing that happens, and this is what the film tries to explore in more depth to a certain extent, is this idea of demons or monsters. And particularly the um, things that are reported in lots of different cultures... Uh, all over the world, like where they wouldn't have necessarily come into contact with each other. They all kind of experience this one particular thing, this one weirdly common trait um, that's got no real evidence to suggest why so many people from so many different cultures and backgrounds experience it. But they all have records of seeing something like an old, ugly woman, like a witch or something like that, that's dubbed the hag. So when you're in bed and you've got this sleep paralysis going on and you look down the bottom of your bed and you see this old creepy witch woman crawling through your room towards you, right? Kind of creeps into the into the bedroom um, and then suffocates you. Um, that's the, that sounds the, like it could be scary. It seems like it could be a really good concept, doesn't it? It seems like you've got lots of room for manoeuvre in terms of creating like a psychological aspect to it to explore some kind of mythology. And it kind of is what Dead Awake is 
fixated on is that particular myth. It takes it and it runs with it. Um, and the plot basically revolves around... Well, there's, there's, there's these twin sisters. One twin sister experiences these visitations from the hag and then is found dead, right? So then the other sister, the twin sister, both of these sisters, by the way, are played by um, the underappreciated actress Jocelyn Donoghue, um, who uh, I guess most people... If you've seen The House of the Devil, that's yeah. Jocelyn Donoghue, and she's brilliant in that, and she's very good in this. Um so the other sister starts to then experience the same things that killed the previous twin. So, and then so too does this uh, the deceased twin's boyfriend, who's played by Jesse Bradford. So what what you should know, I guess, about Dead Awake is that it's marketing itself as from the creators of the Final Destination franchise. Because it's written by a guy called Jeffrey Reddick who wrote the original two Final Destinations films. Uh, he also wrote the Day of the Dead remake, which I reviewed on here last year, earlier this year. I really can't remember, uh, which isn't horrendous. But what the Day of the Dead remake is, is just too dry. And I think Dead Awake suffers a little bit from that same problem because the premise is quite creepy. It's quite interesting, an idea. You know, just the, the whole idea of sleep paralysis being caused by some sort of mythical hag woman who's seen in multiple cultures all around the world. Um, but it seems to kind of play it too straight, I think. As a, as a film, the way that it's presented, it's just not scary enough. Um, which, I mean, from the way that it's marketed, I wasn't expecting it to be scary um, because it's going, oh, it's from the guys who made Final Destination. So I... Which, you know, Final Destination films aren't scary. But what they are is creative and quite fun. You know, they've got a lot of imagination in them. And it's it knows it's a bit of a lame thing to be chased by death. And, you know, they constantly have to come up with these scenarios that are just more and more ludicrous about how people are killed. Um, I I like ludicrous is the perfect word for those films. But I like them a lot. I like them, too. I think that they've got a lot of charm and... and, um, uh, stuff to kind of make them interesting so you don't mind seeing a new Final Destination film. You know, have a beer, grab a bag of popcorn or crisps or something and just sit yeah. in your living room in your pants and watch it. It's That's Absolutely. what the Final Destination films are. So maybe when I was setting up my expectations for what Dead Awake would be like, I made a fatal error because it's not Final Destination. It's just a bit uh, limp. And I think that's a shame because it it showed a lot of promise early on. Um, it kind of teased that it would perhaps be a little bit like Final Destination and then wasn't like Final Destination. So maybe it was it was just me. Maybe I just had the wrong frame of mind when I started it. But I don't I don't think that was it. I, I think it was just a bit too weak. Um, it's the kind of horror that... You know, like BBC Two, one thirty a.m. on like a Wednesday or Thursday, that kind of yeah. horror film. That's what this is like. You could wait five oh, years; God. it'll pro- five, six, seven years. It'll be on BBC Two at like stupid o'clock in the morning. BBC um, Two or Movies Twenty Four, and it's a bit better than Movies Twenty Four, <laughs> but it's 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 just not. There's no character to it, which I think was a shame. 
Um, but, you know, if people want to take a punt on it, then it's released on DVD and digital Monday the 15th of May, could see a solo media and Matchbox Films. But I wouldn't go too far if you wait. For Triple Bill, we are taking on our favourite three birthday scenes or birthdays in film, as it's our fifth birthday today, and there was nothing worth watching at the cinema, Owen. <laughs> well, there, there was, it just wasn't showing in my day. Like, hold on, the Belco yeah. experiment was definitely worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, we've all managed to review relatively new movies anyway, you know, so... We've got one that's only just come out, one that's not out yet, and one that was out like four months ago. So, But anyway, yes, because it's our fifth birthday, we're doing uh, birthday scenes or birthdays in film. Mm-hmm. So, Owen, why don't you start us off? I'm gonna Okay, there's a couple on my list that I think are really obvious. There's, there's two that are really obvious. So I'll get them out of the way first, I think. Starting with The Omen from 1976. Nice. Did any of you guys, either of you go, go for The Omen? No, no. Only, only because I didn't have instant access to watch it, so I had to get it off my list because I wanted to watch all the films again. <laughs> right, okay. So I just cheated and watched the specific clips on YouTube. I just, <laughs> that's all I <laughs> so the, But I've seen these films before, obviously. Um, and The Omen, uh, for the benefit of those who've probably only ever heard about The Omen or never seen it, and there's so quite like me who watched it once and never saw and it and then again refused to watch fuck it. Out of me. Exactly, yeah. So there's quite a famous scene in it where there, uh, there's a young boy called Damien, and I actually, Steve, have you ever seen The Omen? I have, yes. You have, okay. So do you know which scene I'm going to talk about? Um, I expect so. Okay, we'll see. So there's there's Damien, who's this young kid. He's having a birthday party. Uh, Damien is also the adopted son of a wealthy American diplomat, played by Gregory Peck. And Damien is also, unbeknownst to Gregory Peck and his wife, the Antichrist. That's all you kind of really need to know. So there's this particular scene. There's like a um, big carnival-style birthday party happening for Damien. So all the kids are there. They're all having fun on the merry-go-round and eating cake and stuff on the the grounds of this big stately home and it's quite a swirling uh like dizzying dreamlike mesmerizing scene of sorts anyway just from the way that it's shot but you start to hear this voice gradually getting louder and you can't really make it out at first you can't hear what the voice is saying and then you realize it's the voice of a woman and then you start to understand what she's saying and she's saying damien Look over here. I love you. Over here, Damien. I love you. And it's like, it's the scene that sticks out for me in in the film. Well, along with another scene, which I'm not going to spoil, but it's fantastic. Let's just call it the decapitation scene. So like, there's a, there's a scene where you can't really hear her. Then you start to understand what this woman's saying. Then the camera cuts to this, uh, the nanny. You realise it's the nanny. And she appears to be outside on first glance. It's not really obvious where, what she's doing. And then you start to notice, like, there's something around her neck. And then you get the immortal line, look at me, Damien, it's all for you. The next cut, this is Brooker probably quaking in his boots at the minute, is where she, (laughs) the very next shot, you see her just with a massive, like, smile, 
standing on the ledge of the top floor of this mansion. And you realise it's a noose that's around her neck. And she just casually, with this massive grin, steps off the edge and snaps the neck, swings back and smashes into the glass window below. And I just think, you know, it is a very iconic moment. Uh, but just like, like I say, I watched just the bits on YouTube and just watching this one scene in isolation, you, you just realise how fucking brilliant it is. The whole construction of it. It's not just... Like in the in the remake, it's so it loses that subtlety. I don't think the remake is a particularly bad movie, but it just deals with it in such a more, you know, slapdash way. Whereas this is there's this steady build to it. The way that everything is so disorientating to start with, or disorienting to start with, and then it, the whole tragicness of it as well and just like creepiness I just think it is an iconic moment it's the immediate scene that popped into my head when we were considering doing this triple bill um and yeah so you've you've also got like the there's this term right because you know I'm doing film studies at the minute at university what 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 and so there's this thing that's like the diegetic sound which is a term I've learned about and it's not something I've really paid much attention to before but what it means is when you have a film and the music or the sound comes from what is happening in the scene. So rather than the soundtrack, right? So you wouldn't have, you know, an orchestral score, but you'd have the music coming from within the scene. And so in this particular scene, you have like the playful um, carousel music that's juxtaposed with, instead of having kids laughing and being all jovial and stuff, You've got the kids screaming in fear at watching like this nanny who's dangling from a rope, having hanged herself on top of the building. And you just like, I just think it just works really well. So it's a great scene. It's obviously a great film. Uh, if you can stomach it, Brooker, you should add it to your list. Absolutely not. I will never yeah, ever watch The Omen yeah, again. You should. You should give it a go. <laughs> but it's just a, it's a, Fantastic movie, anyway. But yeah, so I couldn't even nail down what it was that stopped me from wanting to ever watch it again. Yeah, I remember. I remember the bird jumping off the roof, mm-hmm. and I remember the pane of glass. Yeah, on, and that's it. Yeah, and yep. that's that's all I remember. I just I remember it scaring the ever-loving fuck out of me, and I will never ever watch it again. <laughs> well, there you go. So now you understand why people won't watch Wolf Creek. You've got the <laughs> Omen. They've got Wolf Creek. Okay, Rooker, what's your first choice? Uh, so kind of going to lighten the mood, I think, a little bit. Uh, and I went with my first one, which I thought was probably obvious, but I went with Liar Liar. That's one of mine as well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know what? I kind of sat there and went, I really want to try and pick ones that maybe no one else is going to pick. Uh, so my next two I'm hoping no one has, but I was like, I can't not do Liar Liar. Because, uh, I mean, the whole the whole film is based on... A five-year-old wishing on, you know, is using his birthday wish to hope his dad can't lie. Mm-hmm. Like in the just before the most important court case of the dude's life, and he now can't even bend the truth slightly. And it is, it's still. I watched it recently for the first time in maybe four or five years, and it is still so so funny. I've literally crying with laughter watching this film it's so good 
I, I do think like between that and the two Ace Ventura films, I think Tom Shadjack will never top those films ever. And Jim Carrey just is manic best, really, isn't he? Oh yeah. Just allowing allowing him to run with it and be a bit mad and mental and. And a lot of it, you can tell, especially like when you watch the outtakes and that, you can tell that a lot of it was ad-libs. So I, yeah. just, I wish I could purposefully be that funny, but to do it accidentally is brilliant. Mm. Uh, my first pick is an animated film, Pixar's first, Toy Story. You go back to where it all began, uh, when uh, it's, it's Andy's birthday party, and he's, he's getting his gifts... And the soldiers, the toy soldiers, are downstairs scouting what what he's getting. Um, in the bedroom, all the toys are gathered around the walkie-talkie, seeing what he's getting. None of them think there's any kind of threat to themselves. Uh, Miss Potato Head even thinking that it might be a Mrs. Potato Head for him, which does happen in subsequent films, but in this one, uh, no. And it obviously turns out to be Buzz Lightyear is Andy's present, who turns... Woody's world upside down and gives us three great animated movies. All starting from that one scene. Cool. I'm not a Toy Story fan. I love it, and I, I like I, I like the the cause they're, they're not used much in the films, but the the soldiers, little toy, little toy. Oh, the soldiers three, are great. Plastic army men. Doesn't Ali Omi do the voice for one of them? He must do. I think he does. Yeah. You can't have comedy soldiers. Uh, certainly in the certainly in the original. Toy Story. I don't know about subsequent ones, but I just think that they're a great little idea that works really well. And I just thought that with them sort of doing the 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 whole kind of recon thing, and then one of them getting trod on when they have to freeze and his leg becoming damaged, and they they save him and you know getting back to Andy's room and everything. I just thought it was great, great fun, and that's where Toy Story starts. Uh, oh, and your your second film again. I think we may have done a similar thing. Where it's just instead of trying to immediately think up the birthday scenes off the top of our head. Although, you know, like I said, I'm not accusing anyone of doing what I did, I suppose. I cheated. I thought the omen straight away, and then I was like, what the fuck I mean, other scenes are not, there? There's not many films that are based around a birthday, is there? No, no. There's, there's some that are, that are based around anniversaries and weddings and... Others that are, are based around kind of other, you know, loads obviously based around Christmas, mm. um, uh, you know, and other kind of, of, of important dates or life moments. There's not many films based around actual birthdays. I'm, I'm genuinely hoping that means that, like, my next two picks, people go, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I went for scenes within films that have birthdays in them. And I think that was the only way I could do this because I literally couldn't think of a single film that is just about a birthday. And so my next choice was one of those that I did I did find on a list online. Um, it's The Birds, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. So uh, it's, it is, again, quite a well-known scene. Uh, and it is another kids' party as well, which starts off with uh, The Birthday Girl, playing some game or other where she has a blindfold on. 
I thought it was pin the tail on the donkey to start with, and then no, because there's no donkey. And then I thought, mm, no idea what it is. Some 1960s game for kids. Let's just leave it at that. So um, <laughs> she's uh, a 1960s game for kids where she's got a blindfold on. It's probably Rolf Harrison, Jimmy great... Savile. Anyway, yeah, so, Jimmy Savile. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking. Yeah. Um, no, it looks all, all innocent and friendly to me. But um, so <laughs> how they get you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear! Right, this this girl, she's um <laughs> at her party, in the background of this nice sort of peaceful party, this kids party. Everyone looks happy. There's this kind of innocent calmness to it, although uh, obviously the the woman in it who's aware of what's happening is a bit fraught. But the kids are the kids are fine. In the background, you've got the sea. It's nice, and tranquil. Everything's hunky dory. Then suddenly, a load of seagulls out of nowhere just start attacking everyone. It's less terrifying than I remembered. <laughs> I think because it's been taken out of context. And that's possibly the reason why the birds doesn't work unless you pay full attention to it from start to finish. Yeah. Because it's just fucking birds. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's seagulls. I mean... All right, it's not nice. They're going to come and nick your chips, but I mean, it just doesn't doesn't feel scary or threatening, and so uh, I mean, unless you're Alfred Hitchcock, I guess, who made this because he was genuinely thought to be um, scared of birds or had a terrifying experience with them or something like that. So one of the things that I thought would be quite interesting is to just look up a little bit of trivia. Um, so I don't know how much you guys already know about the birds, but apparently. Something they did to the seagulls was they fed them wheat and they gave them whiskey to try and get them dopey enough to do what they wanted them to do. Did you know that? They right. literally made them drink whiskey. I bet Petter had something to say about that. I was going to say, you probably couldn't get away with that these days. No. <laughs> I think that's very of its time. Um, you know, the other thing that I guess everyone knows about the birds is uh, Tippy Hedron actually was like attacked by some of the birds. Like she had her face cut open by one of them during filming. Ugh. They used to just waggle them in people's faces, grab them by the legs, and just go, "Here you go. There's a bird in your face." <laughs> and so, have a bird, motherfucker. Yeah, precisely. So that happened. Uh, oh, and it, I guess it's only like somewhat relevant, but I only learnt this today. But a Veronica Cartwright is in it. She's the the uh, girl who they sort of look after and stuff. She is probably most well-known as Lambert in Alien. I didn't realise that was the same person. Um, And she had her 13th birthday during the filming of The Birds. So there you go. There's a little bit of trivia that ties it in. There's a birthday party (laughs) and one of the actresses who's 13 has a birthday during the making of the film. There we go. Okay. But it's a, I mean, go. it's a good film, but it's just like, don't watch the scene on it. So <laughs> just watch the movie. Okay. Um, and Brooker, what have you uh, seen? So the second one on my list is the oldest one on my list, I think. Not the 1993 thriller Falling Down. You you guys have to have seen Falling Down. You know no. what? I haven't. I've never you've, actually watched it. No. You go, you've never seen Falling Down? No. 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 Oh, lads, lads. <laughs> right. Okay. Do you, okay. So falling down is basically Michael Douglas is sitting in his car 
in traffic. You've got no context as to whether he's on his way to work or on his way home from work or anything. He's just sat there. And he basically gets sick to the back teeth of sitting in traffic and not going anywhere. So gets out of his car and fucks off. <laughs> and for an hour and 45 minutes, just chaos ensues as he... I don't want to ruin it, guys. I hope you've not seen this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, basically, this, this guy, in the middle of this, what I'm assuming is the LA heat wave of the early 90s, he basically loses his shit at everyone for everything. So, he, he walks into uh, like a corner store and thinks he's being overcharged for a can of Coke, so destroys the store. But he pays for his Coke. Uh, he walks into a fast food restaurant a minute after they stop serving breakfast and loses his shit because he can't have breakfast. It's things like that. It's, that is so, so good. But the, 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 it turns out that all he really wants to do is get across town to his estranged ex-wife and his daughter who's celebrating her birthday that day. That's my connection to birthdays. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I can't um, believe you guys have not seen fucking hell, guys. I know, I know, slacking. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, I my second choice has been done already, which is liar, liar. Uh, so, Owen, your third choice. Straight back to my third choice. So this is the one that I didn't get off the list. I had to think about it. Um, Step Brothers. So it's the comedy with Will Ferrell <laughs> and John C. Reilly in it, where they play a couple of man children. And despite every fibre of my being telling me that I shouldn't like Step Brothers, I always find it hilarious. <laughs> but there's a, a particular scene in it, which... As much as the film I'd already, like, the first time I watched it, as much as I was surprisingly laughing my ass off at it, there's one scene in it which is, like, the tipping point. And it's, like, the it's Will Ferrell, uh, his brother, Derek, who's played by Adam Scott, has all the family around for a birthday dinner. And <laughs> it makes me laugh just even thinking about it. Like, it's a scene where after... Everything that's been happening at the dinner party has just been so excruciatingly painful to watch for Will Ferrell and John C. Reilly. They decided to debut their made-up company, Prestige Worldwide, which is a fucking brilliant name anyway. And then they first played the music video that they made for their song, Boats and Hoes. And I know it's stupid. I know it's fucking ridiculously, <laughs> absurdly immature and utterly fucking childish. But when I first saw it, I thought it was so, so funny. I mean, I must have been drinking, but I mean, it, it just, I cried laughing at it. And, oh man, I don't think it's a particularly thoughtful movie or has anything meaningful to say. It is literally just a daft comedy built around one gag, which is two adult men act like children. And are forced to be friends because their single parents are getting married. It's like an opposite version of the odd couple because they're the same. And 
but so different to everybody else. If it if they would if it was literally just two kids doing the stuff that they do to each other, it wouldn't be funny. It would be really puerile. It's the fact that it's it's purely the fact that it's two men doing it, two grown men doing the stuff that kids would do. And I know that's lame. I know it shouldn't work, but fuck me, it just does. And that boats and hose bit during the birthday party scene, it's just. I mean, it's one of the highlights in a comedy that's packed with them. And I don't normally say that lightly about American comedies. Some of these stupid... I mean, particularly things with Will Ferrell in. They're either... I mean, Anchorman is good, obviously, um, as much as it has its haters. I think Anchorman's a very well-structured and funny comedy. Step Brothers is the same. I just... I just laugh at it every single time. Even watching it today, I... Tried to stifle a giggle as I was writing notes about it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why it gets me. It just does. Boats and hose. So stupid. Brooke, what's your final pick? So my final pick, I, I hope you guys have seen this one. My final pick is uh, another Michael Douglas film, a 1997 film called The Game. <laughs> I'm afraid not. <laughs> no. Oh, dude. I know. I know. <laughs> you, you two are killing me today. You absolutely are. This always okay. happens. Like people ask me, if, like we're doing film studies, and someone said, "Do you watch a lot? Uh, do you watch a lot of films?" And I was like, "Well, yeah." And then they'll name a film, and I'm like, "No, but I'm not fucking seen that one though, have I?" This is the same thing that's happening again. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I've got three thousand films logged on Letterboxd. What the game? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the the game is. It's a David Fincher thriller, and the basic premise is for his birthday, Michael Douglas is given a game, and it's not like a board game or anything, it's a a game that you participate in in real life, and the problem with this game for Michael Douglas is that he can't tell, it gets to a point very early on where he can't tell what is part of the game, what is real life, and what is just his head playing tricks on him. And it turns into this really twisted, fucked up psychological thriller where just nothing is what you think it is on the screen. I tell you what it reminds me of. uh, And this is in no way... Do you know when you kind of have these memories of when you first heard of films? Yeah, yeah. Right. So very quickly, I I will make it quick, I promise. So I remember seeing the trailer for The Game on a VHS tape. I can't remember what VHS tape it was, but the trailer that followed it was for Lost Highway. And I watched the game and Lost Highway, I think, in the same weekend after I saw that trailer, uh, remembering I was only like 15 or 16 at the time. So I got my old man to get it at the, the video shop. But the game is basically Lynch Light. It, it's a diet Lynch film, mm-hmm. but it is actually really, really good. But yeah, the whole thing is is centered on this guy given this sick and twisted, fucked up game for his birthday present from his brother. Okay, well, my final choice and the final choice for this birthday triple bill um, is a very happy one to end on, um, and that's the the, the 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 birthday carousel scene in Logan's Run. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah. 
<laughs> so basically, the premise of Logan's Run is in in the future at some point. Once you get to thirty years old, you become of no value to society, and you're terminated um, by going on a big spinning carousel with twenty younger people still around you, and then you explode. Yeah, and there's a yeah, yeah. It, it, nowadays, it's of course you get to thirty years old, and the only thing you've achieved in life is a five year long running podcast. Mm. Mm. And then you explode. And then you explode. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, a nice way to end. Really, a nice depressing birthday where you. you that sounds like the perfect of, way to end. Yeah. yeah, you you reach the end of your your reuse to humanity, and then you're terminated. Yeah. What other things um, did you guys come across then when you were looking this up? Um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Bilbo's birthday. Yeah, uh, old school. <laughs> yeah. The one that I found was um, Full Metal Jacket, Happy Birthday Jesus. Yeah, I thought that. But there's literally just singing Happy Birthday Jesus on Christmas. And that's yeah. all that, that's the, that's the only reference to it. It's a really, when, when you, you emailed and said, you know, triple bill birthdays, I, I panicked. Yeah. Because I was like, what the fuck am I going to do for that? I and mean, obviously, so I came across what I think are a couple of really good films, but mm-hmm. I... The the only other one I had thought of, and I didn't do it because I've lost my fucking Blu-ray, and I can't remember if it was uh, on the UK or the US cut, but there was the birthday hallucination in The Descent. Yeah, right, yeah, the ending. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I couldn't remember where it was, I couldn't remember which cut it was in, and I can't find my fucking Blu-ray, so I just bought a new one. <laughs> okay. <Fair enough>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's almost all for this week's critics podcast. Just got some recommendations for the the week ahead to do. Uh, so I'm going to go for on Friday night on movies for men at quarter past seven. There is a film called Fire Twister. Oh God, that is that, that an asylum movie? It's got to be in there. Hmm. <laughs> Have you got a premise? Has it got a description? Uh, it's a hurricane that's on fire. Overview. A mysterious orb of light strikes an oil rig and the resulting explosion creates a swirling mass of clouds and fire that threaten to devastate Los Angeles. A ragtag group of strangers join forces to stop the fiery twister, which appears to be controlled and manipulated in a plot to create the ultimate terror attack. Disaster movie starring Casper, Casper Van Dien. Mm. Do you want a bit of trivia about um, a fire twister? Produces more CO two in the in the air than we've ever created <laughs> since we've been alive. You yeah. realise I've got to listen to his podcast after this as well to see if he speaks back, right? Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm being incredibly uh. petty, but uh. <laughs> Steve has got this... no idea what's going on. on no, he hasn't. Bless no. him. I think Fire Twister is in fact so bad that when I tried to look it up on IMDb, it crashed my app. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to watch that, Steve. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. What, what are you recommending then? Uh, well, I tell you what, I'll give you I'll give you a choice of two. Either for free, you can have the Magnificent Seven remake is now on Netflix, the Antoine Fuqua one with Denzel Washington, or if you fancy popping down to your local wherever sells Blu-rays, The Void is now out on Blu-ray, and is well worth a few quid. Okay, um, and Owen, my recommendation for this week is a film called Le Quattro Volte, which was one of the first 
podcasts that I was on, I think I reviewed this. So I tried to find anything. I think the first film I reviewed on the podcast was uh, First Blood, but I don't think it's shown on network TV anywhere. I couldn't find it. So instead, I'm going for Le Quattro Volte. Film for Thursday evening, or Friday morning, uh, at 1.50am. Dialogue free Italian movie. Which is hard to describe. It's hard to explain what it's about. It's just about four different phases of life. If I go any more depth than that, then I'll be... I'll sound like a pretentious cunt, so that's all it is. <laughs> the Quattro Volte, dialogue-free Italian movie from 2011. It's good, though. I haven't sold it, but it's good. <laughs> don't think I've ever seen it. Okay, well, that is uh, all for this week's Failed Critics podcast and uh, the curtain coming down on our first five years. Um, thank you all for listening, not just for this podcast, but for the entire five years that we've been on. Thank you to everyone who has contributed. So James for James for founding the podcast. Um, and of course, you the listeners, as or else we wouldn't bother doing it. Um, and we'll be back next week. I think the three of us. Anyone else? Yeah, Brian's on. Our resident sort of comic book expert, Brian. Yes, uh, to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy two, among other things. <laughs> The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm gonna first of all clarify what that joke was. <laughs> We're talking about the CO two. You you know, there's some crossover right between people that listen to this and people that listen to that. Yeah, I can't even remember. Jeff something who Jeff or Jeffrey. He's the guy from Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Jerry. 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 Who that wasn't me trying to be snide and undermine. <laughs> I literally forgot his name. He is a friend of yours on Facebook. Yes. And he he's a global warming denier. <laughs> and got into a little bit of a tiff on Facebook with him. And I got dragged into a stupid online argument. And I shouldn't it was, have done it. It was so good to watch. But it just it just baffles me. Anyway, so that was a, a, a nod to something he posted on Facebook about how man has produced... Less, was it less CO2 in the air, in the atmosphere, in the entire existence, the entire amount of time we've been on on the planet compared to one small Mount Etna eruption? Yeah. It was his argument, and it's just like, that's just stupid. Just think about it. Think about what you're saying. Like, I thought, is he just, because I just had him down as like a shock jock, right? Because he's... That's that's his whole jabang. That's yes, how Bad that, that Cop draws its audience, is by being shocking and outrageous. And they yeah. say as much, as far as I can tell, from like their online presence, right? That's what they do. Yeah. It's all about, oh, we're, you can't say that, so they say it. Um, but like it was 
the fact that he posted that utter, utter fucking bullshit. That just like, if you just stopped and thought about it for a second, you would know it just doesn't make any sense. I said, no, it doesn't work. Here's an article claiming or proving that it is utter fucking bollocks. And he says, yeah, but it doesn't, you know, I prefer to believe that it has a point to make anyway. So I'm just going to, it's like, lit- that's literally fake news. <laughs> that is literally what fake news is. It doesn't matter that it's not true. It still conforms to my predisposed opinions, so I'm going to keep touting it anyway. <laughs> Fucking infuriating. What an arsehole. But, um, and he, so I, you could, I don't argue with him. Exactly, yeah. He's just a contrarian arsehole. But anyway. Um, he's, not a flat, uh, he's not a flat earther, is he? He's not a flat earther, as far as I can tell, but he ain't far off. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he also up. doesn't it's, think that education it's, should be mandatory. Yeah, he's um, a libertarian. Like, uh, is he, yeah, you know, is, is he a hollow earther? Uh, hollow earther. <laughs> Have you not heard the hollow earther, hollow earth theory? I, I fear I'm going to end up down a rabbit hole that I don't want to be going down if I start looking up something like that. Subterranean network of people. Yeah, basi- basically, yeah. under the Earth's crust, the Earth is hollow, and uh, there are like people living there, different. Races or species and things all living there. Lizard men. Yeah. You mean like the things from Time Machine? <laughs> Mole men. Not quite. Yeah. Not <laughs> quite. <but> yeah. <laughs> get, get on Wikipedia. Go on. I'm on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 